This message by Mike Pluniak was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Mike serves as a pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. Today we are focusing our attention on verses 12 through 16, but I want to start reading in verse 8 of chapter 3 so that we can get the context for what Paul is talking about in our verses we're looking at in 12 through 16. So we're going to begin reading in Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. And let us prepare our hearts as we are about to be addressed by God from His Word. Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And now our verses this morning. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. May God's Word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, direct our hearts this morning to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We're coming off a section in Philippians of Paul's single-minded pursuit of knowing Christ. His supreme goal, his supreme ambition is to know Christ fully. There is nothing more valuable than knowing Jesus. It is of surpassing worth. And in verses 10 through 11, we find what one commentator called an explosion of spiritual longing. He wants to know Christ. He wants to taste and experience the resurrection in all of its power. And it's almost like Paul becomes unhinged in his communication of this spiritual longing to know Christ. And being a wise pastor, 
He doesn't want them to misunderstand. He doesn't want them to elevate him to some pedestal because of his desire to know Christ. And so in our text, beginning in verse 12, he wants to bring them and us along with him into this lifelong journey of growing to know Christ better. And you feel it even when we read the text in our section this morning. You feel Paul pressing in and he is straining and he is leaning forward and he's pressing on. He sees the finish line and he is running with all of his might. He is this marathon runner running for the prize and he wants us to run the race well to get the prize with him. One of the oddest races I've ever read about was the 1904 marathon race in the Olympics that took place in St. Louis. It was the first Olympics in the United States and the marathon was the marquee event. Even before the race began, it was a complete disaster. Two men showed up at the starting line barefoot. One man, one runner had lost all of his money gambling in New Orleans, hitchhiked to St. Louis, and he showed up at the starting line with long pants and a dress shirt. And one of the other runners felt bad for him, so he found some scissors and made his pants into shorts by cutting them halfway. The day of the race, the heat was in the mid-90s. They only had two spots to get water at the six-mile and the 12-mile mark. It ended up being a 25-mile course that one official said was the most difficult a human being was ever asked to run. From the start, the race was a disaster. It was mostly dirt roads, and they had brought in these brand new automobiles, which were driving in front of the runners on dirt roads, just kicking up dust into their face. Two runners had to be taken to the hospital within the first hour because their esophagus was covered in dust. One runner was chased off mile, off the course one mile by a stray dog. Uh, the man who lost his money gambling found an orchard along the way. He ate some apples, got stomach cramps, and took a nap on the side of the road. Uh, the guy, the American who was expected to, to win the race, he got stomach cramps from dehydration and he saw a car passing by. So he jumped in the car, was driving by, waving at people from the car and waving at other runners. And he did this for about 11 miles. He started feeling better, and so he got out, started running some more, and he ended up winning the race. Imagine that. He won the race. They actually, Pro President Roosevelt's daughter actually crowned him with the gold medal until the crowd started saying, he's a cheater, and they took the gold back off of him. He said, I was just joking, you know, it was just a joke. And the guy who eventually won the race was actually carried across the finish line by four of his trainers. And it took five doctors hours to get him well enough to even get the gold medal. It was a complete disaster. As, as we read this text this morning about Paul's desire and his race for the finish line and striving and straining and running, I feel like this Olympic race is probably a good analogy for how most of us feel about our lives. I mean, we get dehydrated, we coast along in a car, we take naps on the side of the road, a dog chases us off 
course for a mile. If we do make it to the finish line, someone's going to have to carry me across that finish line if I make it there at all. And we read this section of Paul's spiritual longing, this explosion of spiritual longing and knowing Christ and this supreme ambition to know Christ. And if we're not careful, we can conclude, well, this was just for Paul, who who was this world-class Olympic runner, and it's just not our experience. Our life is just different. It's harder. We don't have this ambition. And we can read a text like this and we can move on without applying it to our lives. And I think in our text today, God wants us to know this is for you. You are in this race. And God wants to motivate us by His grace to run, to see the finish line, to see the prize waiting for us at the end of this race. God is calling us today. I think the main point is to press on for the prize of knowing Christ more. It's this motivation. God is calling us. Press on for the prize of knowing Christ more. And Paul is going to make this clear in verse 15 when he says, let those of us who are mature think this way. He's saying it's not just for me. This isn't just my desire, but this is for everybody. Let all of us think this way and desire Christ like this. And the first thing we realize in our text, point number one, is that we have not arrived. The race is not over yet. We have not arrived. And there's two statements Paul makes in our text to help us not misunderstand this explosion of spiritual longing in verses 10 and 11. So in verse 12, look down at verse 12. Paul begins with, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect. And then in verse 13, he says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. He's telling them, I have not arrived. I, I, I still fight sin. I'm still running this race. I haven't arrived at the final destination of God's transformation in my life. I'm not yet perfect. Paul is a sinner. Paul is still growing, and that's his desire. He's expressing this desire to keep growing, to keep knowing Christ more. Every day, he's longing and longing and longing to know Him more. He has not arrived, and that should encourage us today. I mean, the apostle Paul hadn't arrived yet. The guy who was caught up to the third heaven, he's still growing. There's still more for him to learn about Jesus. He's still fighting his sin and repenting and fighting for faith. And this might go without saying, but it's probably good to make it explicit. We haven't arrived either. Each one of us, whether you've been a Christian for five days or for five decades, there is still more God has for you to learn. You haven't arrived yet. We are all in the same race. We're all sinners. We're trying to grow. We're beside each other. No one has arrived at the finish line yet. And what's amazing is this doesn't discourage Paul. 
He doesn't get discouraged that he hasn't arrived yet, that he's not already perfect. He longs to be with Christ, but he's not there yet. This doesn't discourage him. This motivates him. Look again at verse 12. He says, not that I already have, a, have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I press on. I keep going. I keep longing. I keep striving. And we can ask the question, I, I think this question comes up in our minds, why press on? I mean, why keep fighting? Why try? Why strive to go? Why fight our sin? If we're never going to be perfect in this life, and God is going to make us perfect at the resurrection, why work so hard right now? Why, why should we be motivated to press on to know Him more? And Paul says it right here in verse 12. I press on to make it my own because, here's the why, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. The order is important here. Christ has gotten a hold of Paul. He saved him. He called him. He forgave his sins. He filled him with the Holy Spirit. He ransomed him from the grave. He adopted him into the family of God. He made him his own own. He belongs to Christ. Christ has saved him and changed him and given him hope and given him a purpose. He has made him his own. This is the foundation for wanting to know him more. God's grace and his salvation is the foundation for Paul wanting to, to get a hold of Christ more because he's got a hold of me. He saved me. He's grabbed me. And now, I want to run after him and get a hold of him. And you see this picture in verse 12. Paul was running as fast as he could from Christ. He was in a race, but his race was not towards God. His race was away from God as fast as he could go. And he says it earlier, he was a persecutor of Christ. He was chasing down Christians to kill them. That's how far he was from Christ. And yet Christ pursued him and ran after him and overtook him and Christ got a hold of him. And Jesus changed Paul's direction. So that's what he's saying. Christ got a hold of me. He's grabbed me. He saved me. He changed the course of my life. And now for the rest of my life, I'm running after him. That's my goal. That's my ambition. That's what I want to know. I want to run as fast as I can after the one who's got a hold of me. This is true for every believer here this morning. This is your story and this is my story as well. If you are in Christ today, then he's got a hold of you. You are his. You belong to him. And now in this text, He's calling you to press on to know Him more. Salvation, when we are born again, that's not the end of life. That's the beginning of life. That's where it starts to, to, to know Christ and enjoy Him. And we just grow and grow and grow to know Him more. We have not arrived yet. Paul had not arrived. We have not arrived. Point number two, running the race takes effort. 
It takes effort. In verse 12, Paul says, look, look down at the words Paul is using here. Verse 12, he says, I press on to make it my own. Verse 13, at the end, he says, I'm, I'm straining forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal. All these words Paul uses to make it clear, this, this is strenuous. Paul is not passive in his pursuit of Christ. It takes effort. And effort is not a bad word. Listen, we are justified by faith in Christ alone. Back in verse 9, he had made this clear. It's a righteousness from God that depends on faith. God justifies us. He declares us righteous and not guilty by faith alone in Christ. That's how we become righteous, by faith alone. It's not by works. It's not because of what we do. It's because of what Christ has done, and we put our faith in Jesus Christ, and God justifies us. But sanctification takes work. Sanctification is where we are actually growing in holiness day by day to know Christ more. Justification is by faith, and sanctification takes faith, but it also takes effort. It takes work, motivated by the grace of God because He saved us and made us His own. We pursue Him and put effort into knowing Him. It can be easy for us at times to be like the runner in the Olympics who jumped in the car and just cruised along down the road. We can put the Christian life on cruise control. We can go through the motions, but we're not really engaged. We're not straining forward. We're not pressing in to know Him more. I'm not sure if you've ever done this, but I many times have had the experience, and maybe you have too, I don't know. Maybe you've had the experience where you're driving along for a while and you're kind of zoned out, or maybe you're thinking about something, and you're playing through something, you're working on something in your head, and all of a sudden, you kind of come out of the zone, and you have no idea how you got where you are. Or for me, it's like, I don't remember the last several miles of the road. And it is a terrifying feeling when you come out of that zone. You're just cruising along, and you're driving, but you're not really engaged. You know, I don't... I feel like I'm the only one who's done this. Is it, can I get some head nods from somebody? Okay, thank you. It's getting nervous there for a second. The only one. You know, and, and, when, and, and when I come out of it, my, I have two things I do. First, I look at my family to see if anybody noticed that I wasn't really paying attention. And then I look in the rear view mirror because I'm terrified there's going to be some pile up of cars and I like drove through a red light and then behind me is just this wreckage and I'm just smiling, cruising along in a zone, you know. I, I feel like that's a temptation in the Christian life. We just, we just go through the motions. The show, I'm just going through the motions, just coasting along. There's a, there's a temptation to live like that. Are you coasting? Do you feel like you're coasting right now? Listen, if, if you feel that way, I want you to know you're not alone. We are all tempted to coast at times. But by God's grace, He gives us His Word and He gives us His Spirit to help us. 
And so we read a text like this and there's this spiritual longing and Paul wants to know Christ and he's pressing in and he's straining forward. He's putting in this effort and, and God uses that. He uses his word to call us to press in, put in effort to strain forward, to pursue Christ. God this morning is calling us not to coast in the Christian life, but to put, put forth effort to desire to know him more. Listen to Kevin DeYoung. He says, some Christians are stalled out in their sanctification for simple lack of effort. They need to know about the Spirit's power. They need to be rooted in gospel grace. They need to believe the promises of God. Amen. And they need to fight, to strive and make every effort to work out all that God is working in them. They need to press on. They need to strain forward. They need to see the prize and begin putting themselves in motion, running towards the prize of knowing Christ more. And if you feel like you are coasting, and God this morning by his word is calling you to put forth effort in pursuing Christ. Let me give you one tip, okay? It's not like we're going to read this and all of a sudden every area of our life is going to change and we're just going to be running after Christ. Let me give you a tip. Just find one thing you can do this week to pursue Christ. It might be, it might be jumping into the Bible reading plan. It might be jumping back into the Bible reading plan. I know we're only in February, but it might be jumping back in. It might be serving, where you just loved serving others, and it brought you joy, and you, you started coasting and not putting effort into that. You feel like God's calling you to serve, and, and the joy that comes from serving others. It might be fellowship with your spouse or with friends. You know, you just haven't been drawing them out and asking questions and talking about the Lord and what God's doing in their lives. And, and you want to press in and, and, and grow to know Christ more and encourage others. Might be reading. Maybe you, there was a season of your life where you were reading good books and you felt like you were growing and learning about God and learning about Christ. And this week, you just want to get back. I'm going to find a good book and begin reading this book again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put forth effort in knowing Christ. Find one area you can put forth effort this week to grow. And I think what you're going to find is one area, putting forth effort in one area will affect every area of your life. It just, we get going, we get in motion, we get moving, and then we find it overflows when we're encouraged and we're growing and, and we're pursuing Christ. That goes into every area of our lives. Press on to know Christ more. In verse 13, there's two things he says about how he's running this race and pressing on toward the goal. He says in verse 13, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. This is a very pastoral, almost an aside, because when he says in verse 13, he says, the one thing I do, the one thing he does is verse 14, I press on toward the goal. And these two disclaimers are these, this pastoral comment to help them 
run the race. And it's pretty simple, the language here Paul uses. He says, things behind, forget them. Things ahead, strain for them. Paul's not looking back. Trained runners don't look back because they know it distracts them. It slows them down. If a runner is running towards the finish line and he takes his eyes off the prize, it could be disastrous for him. And so two, two things Paul says, forget what lies behind and strain for what's ahead. And there's two ways to interpret forgetting what lies behind. One way, it, this is the way I, I usually thought of it, is forgetting our past sins and failures. I think this is the common way we use verse 13. Someone is struggling with sin and doing the same thing over and over and they're discouraged and we pray for them and we want to encourage them and we open our Bibles and we go to Philippians 3.13 and we say, forget what lies behind, strain ahead for the goal. And I think this is good. It's good. We don't want to endlessly be condemned by our sin and replay it in our minds. That's why this morning communion is such a gift from God. Because we come and we remember Christ died for those sins. It's just a fresh moment when we receive communion this morning to remember He paid the price with His blood and His body for that sin and it is forgiven. And I am cleansed. I am washed clean from my sins. It is a new beginning today, new mercies today. Communion is a gift because we forget what lies behind. That's the main way we use it. But there's a second way to interpret forgetting what lies behind. It can also refer to past achievements. I think sometimes we can cease to grow because we become comfortable with what we've already done. And Paul just did this. He just rehearsed in verses 5 through 6. I think this might be what he's referring to because in verses 5 and 6, he just gave us this whole list of all these reasons Paul would have to put confidence in the flesh. Paul could look back and say, I have all these achievements. I mean, nobody has more achievements than I have. And even now, even beyond, before he was a Christian, Paul, when he wrote this, had been a Christian for 25 to 30 years. I mean, think of all that Paul had done. Missionary journeys, churches planted, gospel spread, healings and miracles, suffering for the sake of Christ, being beaten and stoned and left for dead. And he is writing this currently from prison. I know I was reminded thinking about this, I was picturing that scene in Forrest Gump where he's running for years and years and years and he just stops and he says, I'm pretty tired. I think I'll go home now. I thought if Paul said that, we would say, amen, man, like you have run the race. You have done a great job. But that's not what he says, is it? He says, I press on. I forget what lies behind. Yeah, okay, church is planted, missionary journeys. I forget what lies behind because I haven't arrived yet. I press on for the prize and the goal of knowing Christ more. It's not how he thinks. He's not resting on his past achievements like that is enough. Every day for Paul is a new opportunity to know Christ better. Pursuing Christ is not a past tense activity, but a present and daily goal. So he's not, 
He's not crippled by past sins, but he's also not resting on past accomplishments. He is looking ahead. He's focused on the prize. He wants to know Christ more. I'm not going to be distracted by the past. I'm looking ahead. This is what Matthew Harmon in his commentary on Matthew says. He says, God did not design the Christian life to be lived looking backwards at our past, but forwards towards our future hope. Christians too often serve as voluntary slaves to their past, even though Christ has freed them from both the shames and the faux glories of what they were before they knew Christ. As believers, our only sustained glance to the past should be to the grace shown to us in the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ in order to remember the hope that we have for His return and the joy we will experience when we are completely conformed to His image. I love that. We're not designed to look backwards. We take a glance back to remember how good God has been, the grace we maybe are amazed that we're here today serving Christ. We take a glance back because we recognize how good he's been, but then we look forward. We're running towards the prize. Which is point number three. Paul is focused on the prize. He's focused on the prize. In verse 13, Look at the end of verse 13. Straining forward to what lies ahead. What is it? What what lies ahead, Paul? Well, verse 14, he tells us, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And this is where he's using this race and this running analogy. Prizes in ancient races could be money or precious metals, but Paul is running the race with a far greater prize in mind. It's the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's the gracious gift of eternal life. It's of knowing Christ fully. It's the resurrection from the dead. That's what he says in verse 11. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I have, I'm not arrived. I'm not there. But oh, I want to be. I want to experience the resurrection from the dead and the power and seeing Christ face to face. That's the prize he's running for. When we get a new resurrection body and we experience the power of the resurrection fully. When there's no more sin and no more suffering. When our faith becomes sight. When Christ saved us, this is the road He put us on. This is the path we're on. This is the goal. This is what we're running for. This is what is ahead. This is why what's ahead is so much better than what's behind us. He says, this is best. This is what I want. In verse 16, this is why Paul says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. This is our inheritance in Christ. This is what the gospel purchased for us. This is where we are heading in Christ. I know it's hard at times, and I know 
Now we need faith. We got to have faith. We live by faith. But one day, faith will be sight. Won't be a need for faith anymore on that day because we can just look and we will believe because we will see him face to face. Listen, this prize isn't unique to Paul. This is where we're going. This is what lies ahead for us. The finish line is the same for all Christians and the prize is the same. We get to be with Christ. We get to be in the presence of Christ for all eternity. This is what Paul is living for. This is the prize. How often, how often do you think about the prize? Think about it this week. How often have you thought about the prize of seeing Christ? Sometimes it feels like we're reluctant to think about it. It's like we're going to get distracted or discontent with our lives if we think too much about that day. Listen, getting distracted by that or discontent with this life because that's better, that's a good thing. That's a good distraction right there. But it's like we're reluctant to do it. We're reluctant to think about that day. Listen, this text encourages us, think about it. Set your thoughts on it. Meditate on it. Long for it. In Colossians 3, Paul says, set your thoughts on things above, not on things of this earth. He wants us to think about that day, to long for it and to love it. And it gets us running. It gets us striving. It gets us straining forward. We can't wait for that day. That's That's the sense you get from Paul. And that's for us too. He wants them and he wants us to have that same desire. Again, Matthew Harmon in his commentary says this. We too often settle for what the world offers to us as satisfying when far greater treasures are ours in Christ both in this world and in the world to come. When we as believers set as our goal the fullest experience of all that God has for us in Christ, we are truly the richest people on earth. Thinking about this prize, it makes you rich. It'll make you satisfied in God. You'll be reminded of how good He is and where we are going. In verse 15, Paul says, let those of us who are mature think this way. This is for all of us. It's not just for Paul. This is for all of us. This is normal and should be the common experience of Christians. Maturing in Christ is not found in thinking we have arrived. We are not yet perfect. Maturity is found in continuing to pursue Christ. Maturity is found in not looking to our past sins or trusting in our past accomplishments, but continuing to press on to know Him more day by day. Maturity is found in fixing our eyes on the prize, looking forward to the future with faith and hope, longing to know Christ. This is the mature way to think. It's the mindset he wants in the church. It's based on the Christ hymn where he says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It's humility. 
It's we haven't arrived. We're not there yet, but we keep going and we keep pressing in to know him more. The people that I look up to as mature are not folks who have arrived at some knowledge or some spiritual level, but they're people who have been passionately pursuing Christ for years. And they keep going. They long to know him more. That's, that's what I respect. They're not looking back and saying all their accomplishments. They're just saying, oh, I want to know him more. Yeah, it's been 30 years. It's been 40 years, but I want to know him today. I want to know him more. That's maturity. Strain for the prize. Keep your eyes focused on the prize. I'm going to finish with a quote from Randy Alcorn, who is an author who writes Christian fiction, and he often writes about eternity and heaven. And he said his goal is motivating people to think more about, it, to think more about eternity and to anticipate heaven more. And that's the effect it's had on me. Listen to this quote. This is from his novel, Deadline. Uh, the character Finney Hate to ruin this for you, but it was written a really long time ago. So the character Finney, having just entered heaven, meets his Savior face to face. And this is, this is fiction based on the Bible, but it, it makes me long for the prize. Listen to this character. He says, at the back of the crowd stood one being glowing with a soft light that did not blind but attracted and captivated the eyes. He smiled at Finney, who trembled with joy at the immediate realization of who it was. This was the ageless one, the ancient of days, who is eternally young. He stepped forward, who had, he who had spun the galaxies into being with a single snap of his finger. He who could uncreate all that existed with no more than a thought, he extended his hand to Finney as if the hand he extended was that of a plain, ordinary carpenter. For the moment, it was impossible to look elsewhere and no one in his right mind would have wanted to. Welcome, my son. Enter the kingdom prepared for you by virtue of a work done by another, a work you could not do. Here you shall receive reward for those works you did in my name, works you were created to do. And then with a smile that communicated more than any smile Finney had ever seen, the great one looked into his eyes and said with obvious pride, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. As the crowd broke out into cheers, Finney felt overwhelmed and he dropped to his knees and then flat on the ground, face down, as if the knees were still too lofty a position before the Lord of heaven. That's the prize that we're running for. That's what lies ahead for each one of us in Christ. We have not arrived. Running the race takes effort, but the prize is so worth it. It's so worth it. Press on for the prize of knowing Christ more. Let's pray.
Father, thank you this morning for your word which is clear and sufficient and necessary for us. And we come under your word and we thank you, Father, that you have called each one here who is in Christ, that you have made us your own. And now I pray for this congregation, Lord, that we would press on to know you more. Give us grace this week, Father. Give every person here in this room or watching on live stream, give them grace this week to press on to know you more. And I pray, Father, that we would be satisfied. Satisfy us this morning with your steadfast love, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message given by Mike Pluniak during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.